I really thought that God wanted me to be a world-renowned drummer, but there was another voice on the inside of me, but I did not know how to transition from the instrument to my purpose and my calling. Because church really just taught me that there was one calling. I found my calling and my voice in school. Okay. And what got me to this place is learning how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. So let me just have one preacher moment on your podcast. Okay? Let's go. Just one preacher moment. Let's I, go. I, I promise you, I will not take up much of your time. <laughs> but I want you all to think about this. I want you to get a bottle of water in your hand. Mm-hmm. And I want you to take that cap off the top of that water. Hold the cap and the water in, in, in both your hands. I want you to take just a little bit of that water and pour it in that cap. All right, there you go. Now, the problem is that many of us are like the bottle where we got so much volume, but you hang it around people that are caps that do not have the capacity to increase your volume. And you're expecting people that are capsized in order to fill a destiny that has volume on the inside of it. And that becomes the internal challenge. What up, y'all? I'm Rajay, and y'all are tuned into another episode of the RXS Podcast. And today we got Roosevelt Etheridge in the building. What's up, man? Oh, my God. <laughs> hey! Listen! Yeah, oh, man. my Lord! Are yeah. you serious? Yes. It's... First, 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 listen, y'all listening in, let me go on and say, I feel like a special guest for real. <laughs> listen, I'm not in the backup group no more. Oh, my God. <laughs> I done came up in here. I'm in the real group. <laughs> Lead singer. Oh, my God. I, listen, I'm just hanging out. Yeah, man. And I'm just glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here, man. Man, I went from the tricycle to big wheel. Now on the big bike. <laughs> listen, you got to be somebody to be on this show. Yeah. Listen, you got to be somebody to be on this show. Listen, let, let me tell you this thing I learned about music. And I'll tell y'all, I'll tell, I'll tell y'all something about this later. But what I learned about music, when you're nobody, nobody gives you the credit when they work with you. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to leave that in the atmosphere. In church, we say we're going to leave it in the atmosphere. I'm going to just leave that in the atmosphere. Hey, that's you're, true. You're, that's true. You'll catch up with that later. <laughs> so so let, let's talk about it. Let's talk about right, it. Okay, um, okay. Have you always been in music? Yes. Actually, I started playing drums actively in church at four. Okay. Yeah. What I, church was it? You remember? Oh, yeah. My father was a pastor. Um, Ebenezer. Um, apostolic holiness church so let me tell you what well, you I was don't, just about I, I, listen what you don't know let me tell you what you don't know okay is that when i started playing i started playing where there weren't no other musicians mother milton played a big bass drum wait uh, okay so so as the uh, like a like like the, a marching band no, concert drum brother concert <laughs> drum and the other mother played the snare drum and yeah. the deacon played the triangle my grandfather played the hand cymbals, and then one person played the washboard. So as a young drummer, they just didn't let you in. You had to earn uh, your right to be in. Come, Mother Milton won't giving up that one. <laughs> nah, dog. So how did how did you how did you make your way in? Well, it came through consistency. Come on. N- number one, my father he believed in hymns, and he said, "Well, you can't do no rolls on my hymns." He said, "Now you." <laughs> can't do no rolls on my heels and then also when uh, we would go into praise he said you can't break the dance and so i grew up hard i grew up old school old school music and so if you break the dance right in the middle of your stride somebody be taking the sticks out your hand (laughs) like it's real 
<laughs> like, no spare your feelings. You no, know, you broke the dance. Obviously, you're not ready. So somebody else need to come in and help you. Whoa. So did that yeah. happen to you? Oh, man. Yeah, brother. Did it hurt your feelings? Oh, it hurt my feelings. <laughs> hurt my feelings. And if I cried, I got christened in the in the pastor's study. How about that? <laughs> How about that? Yeah. yeah. Christened in the pastor's study. Yeah, yeah. man. So, um, so from there, you know, I really thought that God wanted me to be a world-renowned drummer. So, honestly, I could read music. You yeah. put a chart in front of me. I can read it. I write it. Yeah. I'm ambidextrous with all my limbs. And that's what I was preparing to do. But God had another plan for my life. Okay. So let's talk about it. A lot of times we think it's one thing and it's another. How long did you play the drums pursuing it before you found out, okay, this ain't it? Actually, I was in my early 20s. Okay. And um, my father passed when I was 17. Mm. And... I went through a period of grief and I still thought drums were going to be my thing. But there was another voice on the inside of me, but I did not know how to transition from the instrument to my purpose and my, and my calling. Yes. And the issue I had was cause church really just taught me that there was one calling. So I thought that that one calling in music was the only thing that I was supposed to do. And so I really was challenged with, how do I go from my instrument to this calling? Because in church, they limited that to just being a ministry. And so I didn't know how to really figure that out. And so early on in my ministry, I still was struggling. As much as I was trying to be the minister, I still wasn't in connection with my calling. And so that's where I had a lot of struggle and failure. So I will fall back to what I knew. And what I knew was drums because I was comfortable at that. And I knew how to make a living off something that wasn't making me happy. Yeah. When when did you get to the place? At what age did it not make you happy anymore? Actually, after I lost everything and everybody, and I realized what I had became good at that was blessing everybody else no longer brought joy to me. And so my challenge was what do I do next? And God was calling me. And so then there came another challenge because here in the Eastern, uh, what they call the Bible Belt. So the Bible Belt actually would be um, the bottom part of um, Virginia going all the way down through Louisiana and Texas. That's all what is called the Bible Belt. And honestly, uh, Jamal, I found my calling and my voice in school. Okay. All right. And I thought it was in pastoring. But actually, I was taking a philosophy class, mm. and I found myself in academics finding this voice that I could not find in rhythm. And I was feeling somewhat intimidated because my family, as well as my church community that I was familiar with, were not driven into academics. And so I did not know how to make what I was called to do make sense to in a community where it was rejected. And so that was a struggle for me. So it was easier to just play drums because drums made sense. It made sense to them and it made sense to me. <laughs> and so I struggled. And so what got me to this place where now you see me, I've gone from the drums to the world. And what got me to this place is learning how to be comfortable being uncomfortable and 
with that, that put me in a position where I was able to embrace all of the relationships that transitioned out of my life without having to provide any salt or any disdained responses towards any person transitioning. I realized that the path was necessary for me to define who God was calling me to be. Yeah. I'm stuck. Cause you said you went from the drums to the world. Yeah. You've watched me become who I am today. Mm-hmm. You've seen the drummer, you've seen the keyboard player, you've seen yeah. the MD, you've seen the producer. Yeah. I just knew that was the way. That's it. That's the way. I'm going to get a big record with a big budget, and that's going to do this, and then I'm going to work with this person, and then I'm going to be with these group of people, and then yeah. I'm going to take the homies, and we're going to do yeah. Psych. Not at all. Not at <laughs> God looked at you and said, really? <laughs> Ser- seriously. Okay, matter of fact, keep writing it. I'll let you do that. I'll, I'll let you do that. Keep writing it. Keep writing it. Keep writing it, you know? <laughs> and then you get to the point where it's like, no, no, man, no, no. What I've learned in this life is that we don't go into our purpose. What Lord told me is that we actually have, we should go to another dimension and whatever dimension you're in, there will be a purpose that you should define in that dimension. So it shouldn't just be like one level, like one on top of the other, that when you go to a new dimension, that you're actually opening a new um, perspective in your mind. And now you need to find the purpose. And that purpose should be a vehicle. That purpose should be a vehicle, not just something in theory, but a purpose that is a vehicle that will now be instrumental in you now being recognized for the gift that you are in that dimension. Yes. And it's like from one dimension to another, everything changes. And yes. I think that's what my problem was. Mm-hmm. I could recognize that I was being taken to another dimension, but I was trying to hold on to ideas and thoughts and people of the old one. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like I'm trying to get and it's like I did it and it clearly didn't work. And I tried again and it clearly didn't work again. And you're just like, okay, after the hundredth time, maybe I. (laughs) (laughs) And to your point, it is tough when it's unfamiliar. Yes. So so, um, there's a book. Um, that's written by a Russian author, uh-huh. and he wrote this book in 1970, uh-huh. and, he, and the book is called Think Big. And he says that the reason that many of us never accomplish what we can potentially accomplish is because we hang around small-minded people. He said that the community that we are around don't really believe that we can become. And we hold those people hostage because we want them to arrive in the same destination that we are believing for, but they don't believe in the potential of where we are today. That explains it all. <laughs> and then you find yourself wasting trying time trying to convince them that they should believe. Now, I'm and a, that can be years. Now, that could be years. But let me let me say what happens typically in um, rural rural communities. Okay, rural communities, we end up hanging around people. 
that we've seen serve others be great, but they lack the capacity and the commitment to help you become great because of familiarity. And what happens with the familiarity, it stunts your growth because then they want you to use their path and their model in order to walk into greatness. But greatness don't happen because we say it happens. I often tell people around the world now that greatness will never happen until you first are willing to accept the challenge. Facts. Yeah. Facts. And one of the challenge, one of the challenges being divorcing the ideas and people of the old dimension. Yes. Yes. So let me just have one preacher moment on your podcast. Let's go. Just one preacher moment. Let's go. I I promise you, I will not take up much of your time. Because I grew up in quartet country. They says, listen, we're going to get on out of your way because there's some more groups that got to sing. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just want to put this one preaching note in there. Yeah. So um, the Bible talks about you can't take new wine and put an old wine skin. It says um, because the wine skin already has expanded its elasticity. Now, he says, now, you can't take new wine, put it in old wineskin, unless the wineskin burst. So what I tell people is this, is this, why would you take a new idea, a new experience, or even a new encounter with God and give it to people with old mindsets? And you're expecting common people to be able to handle the new capacity that you're giving them. It's going to burst. It's going to burst. It's going to burst. And then we we put ourselves in that position, mm-hmm. and then we're left to clean up after it bursts. And yeah. then that takes up even more time. <laughs> more time. But, but you know, Jamal, there's something, there's something I want you to consider. And um, um, I should have took that bottle of water because I could have gave you an example. But I want you all to think about this. I want you to get a bottle of water in your hand. Mm-hmm. And what I want you to do is. Hold I want on. You to, all right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. He got some water. Watch this. Okay. You get a bottle of water in your hand. Now I want you to take that cap off the top of that water. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Now, hold the cap and the water in, in, in both your hands so that they can see it. Okay. Yes, now, sir. I want you to take just a little bit of that water and pour it in that cap. Just a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell right. me when to stop. Yeah, go ahead. A little more. All right. There you go. Now, the problem is that many of us are like the bottle where we got so much volume, but you hang it around people that are caps that do not have the capacity to increase your volume. And you're expecting people that are capsized in order to fill a destiny that has volume on the inside of it. And that becomes the internal challenge. I had to take a sip, man. Roger is the way you say. At the end of the day, I would need to be comfortable with myself more. And because I felt like in order for me to be my true self or in order for me to have a big impact on the world, I need to be with a group of people that I know when that's not the case. I was kind of scared at first because I felt like I was going to miss them. My parents have told me many times that I have gifts and I need to use it and like people wish they could do what I do and I was like, "Mm, I don't want to do that. Since I was really young, I really like to speak and make people feel better in life. And it's just something I enjoy. 
Hi, this is Nay, and that was Nay's Place. If you want to catch more, search Nay's Place on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and RXS Entertainment YouTube channel. That is the challenge. That's the challenge. And so that even, ha- that even happens with theology, sociology, philosophy, music, any career. What happens is people can be good at what they're doing, but that doesn't mean that they are a volume or as a bottle. Some people are good, but they, they were good caps. And we take information or ideas or suggestion from cap field people rather than bottle field people. And so I started my own growth because I was expecting caps to give me volume when they, all they gave me was capacity. They maxed themselves out. They had nothing else that they could give me. And I was thinking that it should have came monetarily or I was thinking it should have came through opportunity. Well, you know, this person or that person. But no, what happens when you give me volume, then it increases my faith and my potential. I said I wasn't going to preach, but Albert Einstein talks about potential he talks about kinetic energy and so jamal here on this podcast in this room albert einstein would say in the room there's kinetic energy meaning that energy is always moving and shifting and he says that kinetic energy is has no power until it has direction so kinetic energy will also can be related to potential that all of us around the world have potential but it has no power until it has direction That's what ha- what what happens. <sighs> <laughs> so how did you get to the place where you accepted your calling? So I'm going to be honest with you. I started doing a church because I thought that's how I was supposed to get to the place called calling. So I started doing a church. And what the world doesn't know is on my second service, nobody showed up to church. That was the first time I ever preached to an empty church. And let me tell you what God told me. I sat down in the chair. It was 830 in the morning on a Sunday. And I sat down in the chair. Tears were in my eyes. And the Lord said these words. He said, if man has called you, you'll pack up and go home. But if I've called you, you will preach this word. And that, and that Sunday, I never forget that message. Yeah, I preached that the cutting is necessary. And I preached to an empty church. And at that time in my life, I did not know how I was going to get to the place called here. Because I thought the place called here as it related to my life was a local church, people coming in. We do just love the Lord. I, that's what I was thinking in my mind because that's what was modeled before me. But what do you do when God breaks the mold and when he's caused you to break generational curses in your own family line and the model he's telling you to chase don't look like a model that's been presented. And so what happened was that through the years, I never forget it. I took a sabbatical one year, man. I had been traveling. I was doing Bible study. I was preaching. I was doing, I was regular, you know, I was consistent, but it was October and, um, I was going to take a 30 day sabbatical at that time. I was burnt out from ministry. That's my transparency. I was burnt out because I was doing 
what I thought was right. And I thought I was a good person, but I was hurt and all that stuff. But the truth is that I was burnt out. I go into sabbatical for 30 days. Now I'm going to give you the other truth is I haven't been back. But from the sabbatical, I've now done 35 trips in and out of the country. I have partners in several, several parts of the world. I service 56 countries on a regular right now. Wow. So you're telling me a 30-day sabbatical turned into here. Turned into here. And my intent was to return to what was familiar because it was comfortable. It made sense. It made sense. Um, that's what my father taught me. It made sense in the area that I was in. It just made sense. But when God is calling you to nations, you cannot go to nations hanging around parks. You're not going to get very far on the merry-go-round. You can, you can hang out on the swing set, but you're not going <laughs> to. You're not going to get very, very far. And so it took a, it, it took a, a, a redevelopment of myself. And so, and so with that, what I've learned is that we all have different paths to our destination. But our goal is to now embrace the path, even though we're being criticized when we embrace it. Right. Yes, sir. So if you ask me, how did I got how did I get here? I didn't get here through the through the path of the church. I got here through academics. Academics was my path for me to find my voice. So I didn't have to have a coach or a mentor in order for me to find that Roosevelt was lost. I had to connect with something that made sense to me. And when it made sense to me, then I hungered after that thing that was making sense. And then it started opening doors. It started opening doors for me. And so with that being said, it is important that we understand that if you want to be on demand in any industry, is that now you got to have a need that services that demand. See, the difference with today's time is that we try to service the demand based on popularity. Well, popularity don't have sustainability. Your credibility is built on how you service the need, and then it becomes a demand. And listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Woo! When I make, when I do music, like when I'm when I'm doing the music thing or producing a record, yeah. I realized that. I wasn't popular enough to move the needle. I knew I was capable enough. Like yeah. if I were to be discovered or in the right room, I got the chops. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I can't never get in the right room. So something is off. And and then I start doing this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. It's the need. It's the need. It's it's the need. See, the need will always find find the voice, right? All right. The need will always find the voice. What happens um, in the in the kingdom? And I say kingdom because I'm a man of faith. So all of you that 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 that's watching, I'm a man of faith. But let me be professional. OK, <laughs> um, just for consideration of who you are. 
All right. The reality is that if you're trying to find how do you get to that next space, you're going to come into contact with professionals that's going to tell you that, well, um, um, then you need to uh, find your passion. Well, every purpose has a passion. Passion is not what sells. You understand? Being able to be the solution to a problem is what sells. See, if you're trying to find how then you become in demand, then when you solve the problem or you become a solutionist, it can't be in theory. It has to be it has to be in practice. And there are many people that talk about what they can do if you give them an opportunity. But the truth about being anointed is what I do when there is no opportunity. (laughs) That's how you know I'm anointed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm looking at my life and I'm like, yeah, th- like, we just started this. Didn't nobody hand us no check. Didn't nobody provide no platform. We just started it. In other situations, I'm looking for people to put me on. Yeah. 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 If I could yeah. just, yeah. If I could just thin this, yeah. if I could just. Wow. Then this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, that ain't how it works. So let me tell you this truth. When God was sending me to nations, I didn't want to go. Why? Because it was outside of my comfort zone. Yes, sir. If they were calling me to the nations for drums, I was prepared for that. I wasn't prepared for them to call me to the nations based on what my content is. And so it made me uncomfortable because I was poorly supported. Because people did not know how to support me in an area that I had not built up credibility in. So with that being said, Jamal, it's important for me to tell everyone as a professional, I do marketing, but I didn't market myself to go around the world. And if I can give you if I can give you some game. Yeah. All right. Some real game is that the world don't need your image. The world needs your message. And if you don't have anything to say, your image can be false advertisement. And what happens is that if you are fault, if you're falsely advertising is that you'll get the opportunity, but you won't have sustainability. And the sustainability is, do they have credibility in what you give? Yeah. And do they call you back? Yeah. If they don't call you back, then it was just an opportunity. You don't have sustainability. And so one of the things I do around the world that is unique is that I also um, take people around the world that are not in big organizations, that's not in academic um, um, scenarios. I give them opportunity to figure out how God is calling them to reach nations. And so that if God is calling them to nations so that they can now be a part of this cultural immersion So I don't just experience cultural immersion by song and by praise and by worship and by music, but I get ingrained in the culture to where now we can have cultural exchanges and people that I give opportunity. I first figure out what it is that they want to experience. So I can figure out, is it Panama or is it Jamaica or is it Africa or is it Guam or is it Italy? What type of experience that you are, you're, you're going for so that now we can marry you with the best cultural experience so that you could discern what gift that God wants to use through you in that area. So essentially you give people the opportunity to 
you give a platform and a vehicle for people to discover what you had to discover on your own. Yes, because now as an apostle of the Lord, um, I'm okay with people calling me Roosevelt because that's who I am. But my anointing, I have a pioneering anointing. Mm. So let me tell you, it looks like this. So, Jamal, if you came to me and said, well, listen, man, God told me to go over here and it's a wooded area. My anointing, I go to the wooded area, knock down all the trees, create a road for you. Say, all right, now go over there. Oh, interesting. And I don't need you to cut down the trees because my pioneering anointing says that I then can go over in that wooded area. Even if you never give me an opportunity, that wasn't my assignment. My assignment was to create a path so that you can now go discern what it is that God wants out of you. Yo, 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 yo. Yo. And that is more impactful. Like, that's sowing good seeds for the sake of being a good seed sower. And you'll mm -hmm. always reap a good harvest. Like, mm -hmm. I'll make way for you to be who you've been called to be and you don't owe me nothing. It's my, it is my assignment to do that. This is a part of who God has called me to be. I gotta do this because that's what I've been called to do. It's a part of me. Yes. So I'm going to chop down the trees and you yes. don't owe me nothing. Yeah. But to go over there. Yes. It took me 20 years to figure that out because we use apostolic uh, or, or apostleship, like it's some type of hierarchy. So if you become an apostle, then you're at the top of the food chain. Yeah, you uh, over the bishop and yeah, the pastor yeah, yeah, and I you, 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 you at the top. You up there. But that's that's a theological error. Really, if you're an apostle, you are at the bottom of the food chain because he calls them that are apostles to serve first, not to be served themselves. And so what happens is we get caught up on how we look in these red garments and think that these red garments is the thing that's supposed to give us power and authority. But the truth is that if I can't serve those that are least that are among me, then I'm not really doing a good service as an apostle of the Lord. So, yes, I have a pioneer anointing. So if I'm sitting and you're saying, yeah, I, it's a wooded area over there. I don't know what to do. I should be able to say, I'll be back. When I come back to you, say here, now just go. Yeah. That's big. Right. And um, the reason that um, anyone in this level of function shouldn't look for any type of recognition is because the next assignment is right behind that assignment. So there's more than enough work to do. So when I enter a room, I'm very OK with sitting at the back. I'm OK with nobody knowing my name. You don't have to know my name. Now, um, I have been been watching YouTube a little bit, so I got a few urban words. I'm usually outdated. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to take the permission to use one of my urban yes, words yes, go ahead. On, on the podcast yes. the other day. So I got the receipts. Yeah. So you ain't, ain't got, you, ain't, you ain't got to agree with it. You ain't got to like it. You ain't got to support me. I got my own receipts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got the receipts. Yeah, man. And But it took me too long to figure out that that was okay. Because I became accustomed, like most people, needing to see the fruit by the numbers of people. That's what I thought was being success. That's the evidence of success. Yeah, that's what I thought. But I had to redefine success. So my redefinition of, of success is beating myself at who I was yesterday. Whoop! 
If I do that, I've succeeded. I've already succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> Yo! <laughs> Yo, it's not about the numbers. It's not about other people. It's me being a better me than I was yesterday. Yeah, I've just, succeeded. Yeah, just yesterday. And I've succeeded. Yes, I've succeeded. Just yesterday. How did you arrive at being okay with not getting accolades? That's a very good question. And the, the answer for me is when I realized that the world that was bigger than my pain still needed me. What I mean by that is that I'm a human being. I have failures. I have losses. I have disappointments. I also let people down. How about that? <laughs> How about that? I let people down. I hurt people's feelings. You know what? Uh, I get on people's nerves too. But when I realize that the demand that is upon my life is greater than that pain, there was no need for me, no need for me to waddle in sorrow. Just because you didn't call my name out or just because you mm. didn't do this, like that hurt. Yeah, it yeah, it, literally it hurt. But here comes the truth that if I if I get myself up long enough, because scripture says a just man, this is in Proverbs. He says a just man falls seven times, but we shout over that fall. But he says, no, but what makes him just is that he gets up again. And. My dysfunction in life was I didn't know how to get up. I knew how to cover it up, but I didn't know how to get up. I just didn't know how to get up because life taught me how to cover it up. Because if you cover it up, then maybe you could protect your image. But protecting my image don't mean that I got a message. Hmm. It don't really mean that I'm providing anything. But the development and the content is developed through struggle. Yeah, so the process of falling and getting back up, if you're willing to get back up, you talk about that. That. So I want to give a free plug on here. So if you are an artist of any kind, yeah, all right, and you're trying to figure out how to move up in the ranks, I'm going to tell you right now, whether you're writing, singing, producing, yeah. you need to learn how to produce the problem. Learn how to learn how to turn this pain into a message. Yeah. It, then it's going to reach others that have pain. Yeah. So there's a book that um, I I have at home that talks about um, effective relationships. And Dr. Roberta, she talks about we connecting in relationships with people from the same differential. Okay. And what she means by that is that usually we will form relationships with people based on the levels of pain that we identify with people. Mm. So we don't necessarily connect with people based on our potential or where we could go. We connect on people on how we associate that we've been through the same thing. Yeah. And she, and she suggests what happens when you no longer are in pain. <sighs> That's her suggestion. So what happens when you're no longer in pain and you're connected with the people that only connected to you because of pain? Of the pain. So what can happen is, what happens is, one of the parties may be put in a position where they're not allowed to heal. True. Because you are going to disrupt our relationship if you're healed. 
That's true. So that put, that that presents a different dynamic in relationship, and the different dynamic is that you can now go into having either overfunctioning or underfunctioning people or triangles. Okay. So an overfunctioning person is a person that never let let you help do anything. Yeah. They just overdoing, 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 overdoing. Underfunctioning person is a person that feels more entitled that they don't ever do anything. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a person, I don't want to necessarily call them a friend, but have you ever had a person in your life that um, never initiated anything, but always expected you to do everything? That's an over-functioning and under-functioning relationship. What is suggested in those type of relationships, if you're the over-functioning person, then you should stop doing everything you're doing to give the under-functioning person an opportunity to create initiative. Oh, 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 oh. So what happens in business is that we know that we have people that have the potential to buy our product or services because we've seen them buy other people's product or service. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Facts. 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 So we always try to present to those potential buyers, assuming that now they're going to buy our product. Okay. But no, this is how, this is how you move is that when you got people that will not buy your product because it's good, stop trying to sell to them. Sell to the one that believed that it is good because it is good. Yes. So so then, then you have the triangles. A triangle works like this. So let's say that there is an alt between you and I. Now, mm-hmm. this is very different than how scripture talks about we should handle it. But there's an alt between you and I. A triangle says that rather than you and I coming together, I'm going to say that what I would do is now I would use either work, church, extracurricular activities as an excuse and a reason to not have to deal with you because now it is legitimately uh, it is legitimate, legitimately uh, uh, identified that this is a good thing for me to do. <laughs> and so that you should have no problem. Listen, I'm just going to do some extra work. But the, the real issue is I created a triangle so that I wouldn't have to necessarily deal, deal with you deal with you yeah boy that's good that's good (laughs) that's good man because because when you when you when you tie it all together it's like um purpose and relationships Mm -hmm. are so intertwined and the wrong or right relationships could be good or bad for what you've been called to do Absolutely. And sometimes we have seasons of forfeiting what we've been called to do to maintain relationships. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Have you ever done that? Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Most of my adult life, I did that because I did not know that relationships need maintenance and management. And so I was trying to manage relationships because of inferiority complexes low self-esteem and insecurities. And so my real issue was not with loneliness, but with being alone. I didn't know how to build by myself because I always believed in the team concept that everybody should build together, but I didn't know how to build by myself. And so my insecurity caused me to have unreasonable expectations in relationships with others. And it didn't make them bad people, but it made me unethical because my expectation was unreasonable. How did you break out of that? 
realizing that I had something to offer. <laughs> and that realization of something to offer went beyond the church. That was my greatest victory. The greatest victory I've ever had was over Roosevelt. If you can't hold your mule, <laughs> don't give it to somebody that don't deserve it now. Please don't. You don't know he out here sleeping with everybody. Don't do it. And you gonna do it because it feel good. Why? Because he got a big thing thing or something. <laughs> that ain't, that ain't. You know how many men folk around here? Never mind. I'm just. There's plenty of fishies in the sea. If you enjoyed this clip of Be For Real, you can watch the full video. Just head over to RXS Entertainment YouTube channel. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just type in B-E-F-U-H-R-E-A-L period. When you decided to really live out your calling, um, at first, were you still, um, or were you at all concerned with people's opinions? Absolutely, because I grew up in an opinionated community. That in my community, everyone has an opinion. And honestly, if you're not one of the good old boys, you don't go far. Mm. That's just the way the uh, demographics of my community is made is, is made up. And one of the unique things is that um, I have family that love me, but I don't have family that follow me. And so in the demographics of the community that I'm in, um, it's very family, cultural centered. Um, the families can be at all with each other, but as long as the family show up together, people like it. The two people don't even like each other, but as long as they show up together for the one function. <laughs> the community I grew up in, they're like, they like okay with it. Yeah. All right. But some things that have helped me along the way is understanding grief and loss and how to deal with that in my in my life. Because when my father passed away, I was unhealthy, I was dysfunctional, and I grieved for a long time. But it wasn't until I got in school that I learned that grief is not only that doesn't only come through the loss of a loved one, but you can grieve through the loss of a job, through the loss of relationships, through the loss of various things that were um, detrimental for you. You can grieve over those things. And one of the challenges that I had was that once I started grieving, it impaired my ability to make good, clear, conscious decisions. Facts. Yeah. Paralyzed. Paralyzed, just paralyzed, right? And so getting over that was realizing this, Roosevelt, either you're going to sit here and die or you're going to sit here and grow. That's your option. And if you're going to grow, you cannot spend time being condescending, 
You cannot be spend time trying to diminish any person that played a role in your life. You must understand if you are a Christian and you believe the word of God, that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Then the truth is that even the path of failure was ordered by him. So get over that and get over them and go on with your life. And getting over them does not mean nor suggest that you have to be condescending. Yes. Does, it, it don't mean that you have to say something slightly bad or negative about them. Like to like to give yeah. yourself a false narrative in your mind to be okay with it. Right. No, no, no. You don't have to do that. This was life. This what happened. You took a path. I took a path. We all are grown. Go on. Amen. Yeah. Simple. Facts. Get over yeah. it. It's easy. Yeah. You know? But it wasn't easy for me going, getting to this place of healing, being healed and whole. It was that that wasn't easy to discover this place because I also am in a community where people don't pursue that. They mask it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's more masked than pursued. People desire it, but to pursue it is painful because <sighs> you got to be honest with with yourself. And who wants to do that? <laughs> I almost asked for a timeout. You hear me? <laughs> yeah. Who, who wants to do that? Yeah. Like, like the truth is that um, uh, an experience that changed my life many years ago. Now, I was in my undergraduate um, degree. I didn't know I was gifted at philosophy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I had a uh, philosophy teacher come to me and, and he invited me to go to Greece to one of the annual philosophers convention where philosophers from all over the world would um, be a part of this convention. Mm -hmm. Well, to make a long story short, um, I did not go. I stayed home to play drums because I thought drums was the vehicle that God wanted to use for me to become. And I thought I was I thought I was in line with God. I thought that's what God wanted. So I did not take him up on that opportunity because also um, in my culture, they demonized um, philosophy. That if you get into philosophy, that is more of the devil's work is more demonic, and that um, there's not a lot of theological application in in uh, um, ph philosophical st um, study or uh, what they would call academic uh. Yeah, yeah. Cause now, now, now you know too much. Yeah, now you know too. Much. You asking too many questions. <laughs> you think you know everything. <laughs> See, and let me tell you, those statements like that used to hurt my feelings. People would say, uh, "You think you're being smart?" No, I was just trying to be honest. <sighs> you think you know too much? No. Honestly, I'm just fact checking because what I read and what you said didn't match. And I'm just trying to make. I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> Which one is right? I'm not trying to be smart. <laughs> I'm just trying to be honest. And then if I ask a question, I'm not trying to interrogate you. I'm trying to clarify. Mm. Well, before I had my academic revolution, I didn't know how to ask those questions. I did not know how to state that and say what I mean and mean what I say. What happened in my immaturity when I felt challenged because of my incompetency, I would get upset. I would, I would, I would shrink, and then I would act out. Yeah, not act out because it's embarrassing to not be able to understand. Yeah, because it's embarrassing. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, people have.
have to watch me not understand. Yes. <laughs> and I don't fault to get here. <laughs> now you shame. So you, you got to act out because you shame. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Shame, Embarrassed. Well, you know, I was talking with one of my um, <laughs> professor mentors, yeah. Dr. Mac Wallace, and he, we were talking about men one day. Uh-huh. And he says, Roosevelt, well, you must understand that uh, men have three challenges that are usually normal. And you use two of the you use two of the words, and so it just caused me to reflect on what he shared with me. Yes, sir. Dr. Mac Wallace says that we suffer from shame, guilt, and embarrassment. That the reason that many men do not become is because they, when they realize that they should have became, they then hold themselves guilty. Many men do not move forward in their destiny because once people identify their age, they're embarrassed by what they did not achieve. And then if they are raising children, what happens is that they don't want to talk about their experience of development because they become shameful of how long it took them to get there. Yo, just last night, um, I was talking to my wife and um, she was sharing some things with me that were absolutely true, mm-hmm. that have been absolutely true. And man, I experienced everything you just described. Wow. And it took a minute for me. I had to, mm, and I was like, this time you're going to face it. Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. going to get up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're yeah, not yeah. going to cover it up. Yes. yes. You're not going to make excuses. <laughs> you're not going to act out. You're not going to invite things into your life to mask it. Yes. You're going to get up. Yes. And yes. You're going to yes. deal with it, man. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. Listen, I felt like I was on coming to America. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Help me. Help me, Lord. All right. So here's the thing that from what I have evolved to in my understanding, to be a man is okay with me failing. That's the first thing. The second thing is when I fail, I must become responsible. I had it backwards. I had it in my mind that I should never fail as a man. And then if I do fall, it's somebody else's it's fault. <laughs> Woo! It had to be somebody else's fault. It won't be because I won't great. Yeah. It had to, some, some some reason, some issue, some something. But no, to be a man, it means to be res- be responsible. I'm let me share with the women for a moment. Yeah. Cause, cause they like to, they like to come in on us about Proverbs 31. Who can find a virtuous woman and stuff, you know, and they, they like to come in heavy on us. Well, here, I'm, I'm a man of faith. Yeah. Proverbs chapter one to Proverbs chapter 30. What is not necessarily taught is that Proverbs chapter one to 30 is taught by the father speaking to the son. So everything in between one and 30, the father is now sitting with his son and he's giving him these proverbs of wisdom. Yeah, he's giving them game. He's giving them the game. I'm telling you, <laughs> he's loading, he loading them up. That's why That's why he says that her price is far above rubies. You need to read proverbs around like chapter 14. He, he, said, he said, listen now, hey, she ain't no cheap, she ain't no cheap. Listen, when you find her, have the bank ready, okay? Yeah. Because 
that satisfies her. That See, one thing I need to clarify is that when you find her, you should never purchase the love. You secure the love because she is worthy of that security. Yes, sir. All right. That's first. We need to say that. But when you get to Proverbs chapter 31, what changes the nature of the tone is that that's the only chapter in that book where the mother is now talking to the son. Ooh. So Ooh. when we say who can find a virtuous woman, the mother is now telling her son the gay. Yeah. Who can find this virtuous woman? He, his mama said that when you find her, she'll make your name known in the gates. That's not a man telling the story at that point. It's a woman telling the story at that point. But what happens with us is that we are not taught in culture to just be responsible when we fall. Yes. Simple. You know what? Take it, dog. Take it. Take it. One of the things I try to communicate to my son is that as a man, you will fall and you will have failures. But if you're going to be any strength for any woman, you must have the character and the courage to embrace the falling and those failures and not blame her for it. See, that's where in, in, in text, Jamal, that's where I get mixed up with, with Adam. You know, I love the creation story, but I don't like how he threw the woman under the bus. Mm. I have a problem with it. Yeah. See, See, so when God comes back to challenge him, he says, well, it's the woman you gave me. He never takes responsibility from the fact that I heard the instructions first and I put her in a position where she did not put her strongest foot forward. I weakened her opportunity to just be strong before you. He didn't do that. He blamed it on her. Lord, you gave me this woman. This woman you gave me, she, hey. She ain't listening. Hey, she grown. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to tell her. But no, I've been. And, mm, do you think? Yes. That is how in our community our women have lost respect for us? Absolutely. All right. I say that that is one faction where we as men um, have not been taught to just embrace the failure and be responsible. But also, secondly, I think that we have a false understanding of what it means for a man to be in his rightful place. So we're telling men that men need to get back in their rightful place. All right. So my question is, where is that? Then we tell men that um, you got to be able to lead your home. Lead them where? Then we tell men, well, you got to be able to cover your wife. With what? (laughs) So those are ethical questions. So I ask those questions because they're ethical. It's easy to be theological, but now for me to be a husband man or to be a man of the community, I must now have some ethics. Yes. All right. So now when I go back and I talk about those same questions to cover her, well, a woman needs to be covered in three areas. Number one, she needs to be covered psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually. Yes, sir. If you cannot cover her psychologically, meaning that giving her the space to expand and journey in conversation, then you're not showing that you have the aptitude to cover her. 
What I mean is that women have a way of thinking sometime that will be outside of the context that they'll go to reading information and things that is not even applicable to where you are. But if you're intimidated by what she's searching out, then you're demonstrating that you don't have the capacity to cover. Woo! And so what will happen is she will end up in a place where she find the conversation boring. Yeah. And she'll need other people to talk to because you lack the capacity (laughs) to just engage in the conversation. Yeah. Now, what happens in some relationships is that that could be a make or break or a deal breaker for the relationship. Mm -hmm. Because if she is growing intellectually, she has to have engagement and conversation. Yeah. So I didn't I, I was a poor communicator. I thought that I was good at communicating. Not until I came to the reality that I didn't have enough vocabulary. Okay. I could not say what I meant and meant what I said. And and the biggest part of communication is not talking. It's listening. And so my issue was in comprehension. See, I could sit and talk. But when you say something, my ability to interpret what you're saying was weakened because I had internal fractions on my inside my core. Good God, man. Right. So the second thing is now you got to cover her emotionally. If covering her emotionally, you cannot contrast or compare her to other women that you experienced or that are standing in your life because that's going to castrate her. And what happens with men is that once we feel intimidated, it is more common for us to now contrast her with other women that we appear to be strong that we can recognize. But when we castrate her, then we now impair the trust that we have with her yep. because all she wants is a moment to be trusted. And that trust comes through vulnerability. Yeah. So that emotion, that emotional space, she needs that. Now, the third place is covering her spiritually. Covering her spiritually does not mean she needs to be your pastor. Yeah. Covering her spiritually means that you must give her the grace or the room to now evolve into who God is calling her to be. So you don't have to be on some preachy type stuff to cover her spiritually. Because some people like some. Yeah, I ain't going to say that. Well, well, let me say it like this, because I have it actually in a book, Jamal. Okay, let me say it like this, that um, we have um, emasculated the term man of God. Talk. And so we have called Christian men, charismatic Christian men, that you need to be a man of God. Well, I like to refute that theory and say you need to be a God's man, Mm. meaning that you could be in any industry doing practicing uh, in, in any career field. But God is the center of your core. Being a man of God now labels and says that it's through suggestion that you must now be a clergyman. Covering your wife spiritually don't mean that you have to preach a message to her. <laughs> Let me just ask the question to the audience. Why do I have got to be the pastor of my home when we both got a pastor? <laughs> if I was Presbyterian, they say amen lights. <laughs> <laughs> Yo! If we both got a pastor, why I got to be the pastor of the house? Yeah. See what happens or what happens because of these fractured relationships in church. What happens is we try to now compare the relationship of the home with what the relationship with God is like. Let me tell you something. 
If you're jealous of how your husband or wife love God, you got a personal problem. Yeah. And it suggests that you have an insecurity there that God should never divide the home. See, in my young years, I didn't know how to process that because what I thought was God really was church. Yeah, because <laughs> like like some some men abandon their families in Jesus name out here on the road. On the road. <laughs> and that's church, not God. Yes, not God. All right. So the way it looks and, and using just using that analogy on the road, if I love her, then, yes, I'm on the road working, but I should never work whether I'm on the road or even if I'm in a local vicinity, depending on what career I'm in. I should never work to where it brings stress and strain on her belief in me being faithful. Facts on facts on facts. That because once you be once you get with that person and live with them, you can feel them. Yes, Lord. You can feel them. <laughs> you can feel you can feel them. You you know <laughs> that one text message come through. It, all it says is hey bae. <laughs> that's it. Hey bae. When you look at it, you know that's a different tone right there. That, I better not call right now. Hey dog, this then that same hey bay, you also know. Hey dog, I'll be right back. I, I need to. I, I'll be I'll be right back. I need to go make a call. I, that. Now people that got fractured relationships, they say, oh, you shouldn't do all that. No dog, you got to jack that relationship. I'm trying to protect mine. Yes. Let me go out here and make this phone call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because security says, I want to make sure you're okay. Yes, sir. We need to learn how to become first responders rather than letting everybody else respond first when tragedy happens in our, in our relationship. Yeah. We need to learn how to become first responders. First responders, man. <laughs> in your experience with people, mm-hmm. why aren't we normally first responders? Because of three kinds of people. Let's go. All right. Number one. You have people that are jealous of what you have that they never experienced. Okay. So those people that are jealous will spend time having subliminal sabotage. Mm, That's an amazing term. (laughs) They have subliminal sabotage on your relationship. All right. And so they are suggesting that will weaken your relationship, but give them access to who you are. All right. It'll weaken your relationship, but give them access to who you are. Yeah. So, so let me give you an example, right? So let's say you have a fracture in your relationship and you're, and, and, and you're broken. Yeah. Have you ever just considered how accessible the people around you now become? (laughs) Yeah, they ready. Hey, you need to call, man. Hey man, you call me anytime. But when I'm positive, when I'm going after my game, now you're not accessible. Oh, that's big. But when I'm when I'm challenged or my relationship is challenged, you can come pick me up, take me out to dinner, <laughs> even slide me some money if I need it. <laughs> Tell me, I just want to make sure you all right. Mm. All right. So you got the people that are jealous. Then you have the people that live falsely, meaning the people that lie to themselves or lie to America or lie to the world. See. What we have in the social media age is people that 
post picture perfect pictures, but not picture perfect relationships. Mm. And so it looked like it's all gravy, but it ain't gravy. Yeah. It's really apple juice. (laughs) 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 And so what happens is we start taking coaching from broken people. People that are broken themselves. And we say, well, you should do this or you should do that. And so what happens then is that when people, when people have been broken sometimes, Jamal, they'll try to use your brokenness as a as a platform to test their theory of hope on you mm-hmm. and your relationship. So they're they're not they're not doing great themselves. So then they want to now impose upon what they think is great for you. Mm. All right. Then you got the third kind of people. So we got the jealous people. Then we got the people that's lying. <laughs> All right. All right. Now the third kind of people are these are these kind of people. People that were high school sweethearts, but never adult lovers. Mm. The, now this is no indictment against high school sweethearts. Watch this now. Because there are many people around the world that have found the love of their life in high school. But if you've never had a broken heart, mm. then you might be lacking the mm. data to help me recover when my heart has been broken. And sometimes these become the people that's doing the most talking. <laughs> yeah. They're doing the most talking. So, um, <laughs> what do you need? What does a person need in their life, whether it is experience or mm-hmm. exposure? What do they need to become a credible talker? Number one, you need some experience. Yes, sir. All right. Um, what happens is that people will study information, but information without experience don't make you an expert an expert yeah right and so people try to say that they're experts but experts are able to handle critical situations because of the experience yeah they tried and true (laughs) they tried tried (laughs) brother tried (laughs) tried tried right and so you need some experience the other thing that you need is to be broadened is that you can't live your life in a vacuum in a vacuum that you must be brought in, whether you've gone to school or you had some broad experiences, that you must be able to see life from more than one perspective. Yes, sir. The other, the other third thing, um, the, or the third thing that you need to be a credible voice is the endorsement by other credible voices. Yeah. Right? Yes, sir. Right, so who around you says that you're good at what you do? Yeah. See, those are things that you will need in a basic form. Um, just to become creditable. And just because you've been something a long time doesn't mean that you're good at it. So, um, <laughs> so, um, 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 can we just be a little radical? For yeah, let's go. All right, all right, all right. radical, radical. Okay. Um, so, uh, I often watch people talk about how long they've been preaching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've right, been preaching for these many years and, um, I was, 
um, out of my credibility so that um, anyone don't send you any bad emails. All right, so out of my credibility, I was teaching some pastors um, in a conference, and we was talking about tenure. And, you know, you've been preaching for this long, and you're having preaching anniversaries. I said, well, what would be more creditable rather than you tell me how long you've been preaching, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years? Tell me how many of those years you was a bad preacher. What up, y'all? I'm Rajay, and I'm interrupting the pod to present an opportunity for y'all to support the brand and the fam. So do this for me. Head over to RajayXShy.com, click the merchandise tab, and grab a hoodie, t-shirt, or hat. And remember this thing, no matter what people say or think, live your life. Now back to the episode. You know, you've been pastoring for 50 years. Great. How many of those 50 years were you just a terrible pastor? See, the reason, Jamal, I don't talk about my preaching anniversary is because now when I look at my years of development, um, I can tell you the, the amount of years where I was using the text out of context, where I was eisegeting the text, that um, I was given a message that wasn't true to the context of the passage, but it was true to the context of the crowd. I can tell you about those years where I failed as a pastor because I didn't know how to manage people. Had nothing to do with Bible study, but it had everything to do. I didn't have no people management skills. And I think, oh, <laughs> so let's talk about that for a minute. Let's okay. talk about that for a minute. Okay. Because okay. whether you're a pastor or whether you're um, an aspiring entrepreneur, okay. whether you're a music producer or whatever, yeah. the skill to do the thing, I don't... To your point, yes, I don't think people realize that that's not enough to actually build something significant. Yeah. So what happens is people get frustrated mm -hmm. because, okay, the pastor, for instance. Yes. I had a bunch of bad years of preaching. Yes. Now I'm good at preaching, yeah. but I can't get nobody to stay with me. Yes. Very, very. So good that analogy. must mean that the good pre, the good preaching, developing your skill as a preacher is only one part of having a successful church. Absol absolutely. Or anything like just just because I become a better keyboard player yes. doesn't mean I'm a good MD. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I have to manage a band. Got to manage. And it's there. bigger than making sure they know they part. If you're that's, really down for it. That's right. That That's right. All right. And so um, let's let's talk about church, business, and community. Yes, as sir. As it relates to managing. Because um, I can speak to some voicing of that, right? Yes, sir. All right. So um, I'll let you choose. Which one you want me to talk about first? It don't even matter. You all go. Right, all right. Mm, um, <laughs> all right. Let's talk about church. All right. Since okay. we're already right here. All right. So to have a successful church, first, we need to change um, the measure of success. All right. We need to change. What does that look like? Really in a basic term the, to measure success should be how people apply what is being taught to their personal lives. And we should, should measure the success of the church based on personal development rather than people population. Yes, sir. Number two, that in order to have a successful church, that a pastor today is not like a pastor of the 60s, <laughs> of the 70s. Of the 80s. Okay. Now, 
The difference is that today you need to know how to manage people. But the problem is that we have pastors that are good at preaching, but they are poor managers. And so when you look at the management of the system, they don't know how to manage the system. They, so as a default, um, you and God got it. Well, me and God, and we need a little bit more than me and God got it. Okay. We, we need a little bit more than that. Okay. We need to have some conversation. We need to figure out some, some, some things, X, Y, and Z. All right. Also, to have a successful ministry and managing the ministry, then we must also keep the main thing the main thing. The problem that I have seen post-COVID is that now there are many ministries that they are more focused on making sure that we hit budget. When the main thing is that our business is people, that if we don't know how to manage people and serve people, then the budget just makes us a business. Well, then if we're just a business, if if that's what we're going to be as a church, if we're only going to be a business, then our products and services need to be a class. (laughs) Period. Facts. If that's all, if that's <laughs> <laughs> so, so you want to treat you treating it like a business with with terrible products and services. <laughs> so, if you were going to be a business, yeah. <laughs> well, oh, okay, all right. I, let me say it like so. Um, so I do marketing, right? So, yeah. so let me say it like this. All right, you got a Neiman Markets uh, marketing plan, but you got Dollar Tree services. <laughs> Thanks. Facts. Talking about God getting ready to take us to the next level. <laughs> and you ain't even changed the merchandising yet. <laughs> so what is the flip side where we don't focus on budget? What's the flip side of All that? Right. The flip side is that if we build people, budget will come. Yes. Because they're going to value because they're going to be poured into. Absolutely. <laughs> they're going to value being poured into. Now, what the, the reason that this is a challenge is because people don't have time to pour. All right? So what they put you, what is typical is that we put people in a position where you must catch the drip and don't know how to sit for the pour. And then, and then they'll talk about we're pouring, but people can't pour. You can't pour out of what has not been deposited. You got to give me more than Jesus will. <laughs> and matter of fact, if we're going to talk about Jesus will, let's, so let's have a pouring session. Jesus wept. That is the shortest Bible verse in in the Bible. But why did Jesus weep? Let me tell you. We talk about Jesus wept and that he cried over Lazarus. Well, no, that cannot be contextually true, Jamal, because in the beginning of the text, Jesus says that this sickness is not unto death, that the sickness is so that my father in heaven can be glorified. Well, then why would he get over to the tomb and then cry about what he already decreed? Oh, okay. All right. Now, so let me put it. All right. You with me. So now let me put it in context. So Jesus, well, why did he cry? Because the people that he's now with are the same people that now no longer believe in him. So he's crying at the reality that you sent a telegram to me telling me to come because I could stop the death. But now that I'm here with you, you no longer believe that I got power because you no longer you do not know that I'm the resurrection. And so I'm weeping because you don't even know who's amongst you. So let me give you this for a preaching context. Be mindful of people that you're hanging out with that don't know who the real you. Yeah. Yes. That's how. So pouring. See, 
I don't need a marketing strategy. I need volume. Yes, it helps Lord. me get over my fears, my own, my own weaknesses. I need, I need a pouring that challenges the way that I think, that challenges these silent questions in my head. Mm-hmm. I, I, need a, I need a pouring that if I ask a question, you won't feel unraveled, mm-hmm. unnerved, mm-hmm. you know, like, like I'm, I'm challenging you. No, I was reading the other day and I just wanted to ask a creditable source. That I believe in that could steer me back into the realm of faith if I if I escaped outside of those borders that we can just have an intelligent conversation. Yes, sir. But what happens is that people are intimidated by questions. They're challenged by them. And so how do we get to a place to where we're building the church? We got to get to a place where we're building people. And and also now we need to have proper placement with competent people rather than having improper placement with incompetent people. Facts. Just like, for example, (laughs) y'all don't don't stone me. For example, having somebody on a praise team that can't sing so you can have a praise team. Let the church say amen. <laughs> Let the church say amen. <laughs> Having somebody over the finances because they are willing, but not because <laughs> they got an accounting degree. <laughs> Let the church Amen. You know they can't two plus two equals five to them. Why they running the finance? <laughs> Just because I want people to feel like they're involved. No, sir. Okay. Okay. Well, well. Let's go to business next. <laughs> well, Jamal, I'm 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 gonna go to business and I'm I'm um, um, after these messages, <laughs> thanks. I'm going to say this right here, because when we get to the modern age, I find a huge discrepancy in today's church. Mm-hmm. And this is for no condemnation. Right. But the truth that I found is that people more are have become more accountable to having YouTube, Instagram, Facebook lives being on time. Let me let me say let me back up because I want I want nobody to miss it. Yeah, we're on time for the live production, but never on time for God. Mm. That if we're trying to develop people, if we never have a live, yeah. then let's just be on time for God. Yeah, man. Right. Let's just yeah. be on time for God to show people their stewardship in in the presence of God. Mm. And the lives and the internet is supposed to be an extension of. It's like. People being able to see. See in. So um, as a professional, and this is going to be my segue to business, as a professional, when I'm actually consulting with churches and the first thing they talk to me about is their live production and stuff, um, I don't get into the sound quality and all that stuff because I call all the people to do that. But what I'm interested in, how much money do you make from this? Has it increased the budget? Do you get any offerings? Is it $2, $100, $10,000? What is it? Or are you only using it as a medium for visibility? Now, if you're only using it as a medium for visibility, then now I need to give you some Christian insight. Okay. That Christian insight is that if all we're using it for is visibility, then maybe the attack on the church is because you had no consciousness about the spiritual warfare and other nations that you have now made your ministry available to. Interesting. 
And so when we talk about spiritual warfare and spiritual engagement, see, demonic territories, all they need is insight, the ability to see. And so if you're talking about sicknesses in the church, there's an exodus in the church, different challenges internally in the church. Could it be since it's not bringing in any revenue, it's not bringing in any increased attendance? Could it be that you just use these cameras to give insight to demonic principalities to now attack you intentionally? And here's what's the detriment. They can see you, but you can't even see them. Facts. So how how do you get to the place where how do you get to the place where in 2023 you have healthy use of the Internet in church and the social media platforms? Um, There are four things. One is everything don't need to be televised that in order to have um, continuity within the community. We need to have some services that are untelevised. It's in-person only. Why? So to give people the privacy and the safety and the security to actually have a moment where they can go through a healing or a deliverance or just a personal encounter with God. That's private, sacred, and intimate. Mm-hmm. Then there are times where um, if we're going to run a full production, then we need to either bring some trainers in to tell us how to run the full production so that we can, you know, not just split our cameras, but also know how to do a proper exit of the show. Yeah. While the service is still going on. Yeah. Then there's some that don't need to go live. They just need to pre-record and go back and edit. <laughs> pre-record That's everything. Wisdom. And then just go back and then just go back and, and edit. If you have an so the professional side of this conversation is if you have an audience, fans don't leave. See, this is how you know the difference between people that have fans versus people that have crowds. See, once you have a real fan, fans don't leave. A fan will stand in a rain for four hours and wait. <laughs> yeah. Talking about and see, crowds say, Oh, the show ain't started, the show ain't started. A fan don't care. <laughs> A fan will start a, a side show on the sidewalk <laughs> waiting for the show. It's not going nowhere because yes. they're a fan. But what I'm, I said, what I'm saying is that when you start talking about ministry, ministry don't have a lot of fans. They have crowds. Yeah. And so if you start taking away the accessibility, then you don't find that there are real fans, people that believe in the work of the ministry. Yes. So we have to give we have to give out a lot of um let me use a theological word here. We have to produce all of these accoutrements of the church. <laughs> yes, I heard that word before. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Facts. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's because, real. Because people are cantankerous. And what happens is we get in a place where we're trying to get numbers. Mm-hmm. Where if we just start believing in people. Then we'll do better. So um, I made a post um, earlier, no, last week, mm-hmm. and it brought some. It 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 backlash. It, yeah, just a little. <laughs> All right, because my post was, musicians need pastors. All right, and so um, I got a lot of musicians that was able to feel some of the things that I posted because I got forty years of experience, and I was speaking from experience. Not hope of having a musician. Mm. Right? But then there also were pastors that did not comment, but also some that commented, but they don't understand how to pastor a musician. 
Ooh. Right? Yeah. Or a singer. Yeah. Okay? And so one of the th- I said I'm saying this to say this cuz one of the things I suggested is that once you start pastoring musicians or singers that they're going to come a day where they need a day off to just sit and digest that word themselves. They don't need to serve. And you got to be able to discern that because if you're pastoring the musician, you got to know what they need as you know what the congregation needs. And what happens is that when you start managing people, the lack of managing people, we'll focus on the one thing, which is what we want the outside to come. Think about how many services we all around the world have been in and somebody's prophesied that the church need to get ready because the nation's getting ready to come in. But internally, we don't even serve the nations that's in our house right now. Yeah. So we start preparing for a future and not even dealing with the reality of the of what's existing. Yeah. Let me go over here to business. So um, um business, business. All right, let me shift 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 yeah. over here to business. I could stay here in the church. So so the business part, right? Now, um, when we're serving business, number one is that we gotta have some experience. Okay? We gotta have experience. One of the things that's killing businesses is that they're overpricing for novice experience. They have good service. But they, they are novice themselves. So they want industry standard rates with a beginner experience. Unreasonable. Number two, we have too much false advertisement. There are many amazing designers, Jamal. Are many, many of them amazing. You know, um, I include, I do all these things for people. But if you're false advertising, then you're lying. Mm-hmm. So I give this analogy in churches. All right. If we make a flyer and say this is Jump and Run Baptist Apostolic Pentecostal Church of America <laughs> Incorporated. <laughs> I got to put that INC yeah. on there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Duh. Okay. Yeah. And I see the flyer and I come to your church. When I walk in, I expect to see somebody jump, jump and run. <laughs> if there ain't nobody jumping and running, your flyer lied. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. That's false advertisement. So now to grow the business, the problem that, that many people have is that they don't know their audience. They want everybody audience. See, I immediately shut down when a person tell me, when I say, who you want to reach? Everybody. There ain't no need for you and I to talk. Conversation over. Because it's clear that you don't know the need of what your service, neither are you conscious about the audience that needs that your service. That needs your service. Facts. So you're still in the beginning stage, in my mind, with where you are in your, in your business. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you can do anything that you want to do. And so, so the next conversation is how do we grow that business? After knowing the audience, now you got to know the industry and not just the service or the product or service that that you are that you are you are providing. That's so, good. so when I'm dealing with artists or dealing with community or dealing with business leaders, um, I don't care who's at the top because that ain't got nothing to do with you making money. <laughs> that ain't got nothing to do with me. You didn't come to me to go to the top. You came to me because you want to make some money. Yes. <laughs> well, then my job is to now help you study your industry to figure out how then do you maximize your gift to make money (laughs) 
from what you're good at doing. And you have to know the industry. You gotta know the because if you just if you just know if I'm not studying the music industry, mm-hmm. even though I'm a good producer, I I won't know what the market value is. Yeah. I won't Important. know who my potential client is. I'll just yeah. know I'm good at producing. And I can't make no money just being good at producing, no, clearly. No, 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 no. That's, that, that's not that's not gonna that's not gonna work. But some of the other so, but uh, um 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 excuse me, you all I'm gonna talk I'm gonna talk to um Jamal. Y'all can't call him Jamal. I can call him Jamal, okay? Um so you you're out of context if you you you, you call him that I can do that, okay? Because I, I got some history over here, right? But I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you some uh, um, some game. Yes, right? sir. All right. So here, here's some game. All right. Music, music producer. All right. Well, number one is that. All right. If he or she is just trying to make some make some money and make a name. Well, first of all, um, when we deal with um, mm-hmm, movies, all yes, right, sir. Let's, let's deal with movies. So I, I deal with movies. Well, movies, you ain't got to have no label or nothing. All they need is tracks that fit the scene that they're, that they're doing. Yep. So what I'm what am I going to do? Well, I ain't going to take you to no music party. I'm going to take you where the producers <laughs> are that's producing the movies and say, hey, here's a guy that makes tracks, <laughs> that, that makes soundtracks for your movie. Yeah. Why? Because then that, become, that becomes the plug. Yeah, boy. All right? That becomes the plug. All right? Or, or, or n- another example, all right? Um, maybe maybe you do music and you do you do tracks. Well, bright idea. Well, we got. And I'm just giving you this right here. But we we go around to the major car dealerships. We take one trap and that, one track, and now we want to customize a track for that major dealership. Yeah. All right. We customize the track for that major major dealership with the intent not being at the dealership, but getting to the manufacturer. Yes, sir. That's strategy like a mug. Yeah, that's strategy because so, you might end up on a commercial on the on the highest level, right? So I use the dealership as bait. Yes, Lord. But I'm only using the dealership as bait because I'm really trying to get to the manufacturer. That's that's genius, actually. Right? I took him just to give him a little, just a little game. All right, but once, we be we we be going after the people who buying the car. Yeah, we going after the people who buy the car right? or the at, person at, that's selling the car. At, <laughs> both wrong. At, at, <laughs> both 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 wrong. Yeah, and right. and we do that because. It's easier. It's easier. Like, yeah, you just a homie that bought the car, but it's like, it's not the line. How can I explain it? Mm-hmm. It ain't gonna get you there. <laughs> I just say it like that. <laughs> it's easier, but it's a waste of time because it ain't gonna get you there. Yeah. All right. So, so my last, my last game because next, next one I'm gonna have to charge you nineteen ninety five. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so, so check this out. Right. Um, let's say United Way. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and I'm talking about any organization. All right, what you want to do is read their mission statement. And this is free free game. I don't know. Yeah, if I, I can tell you from the. Okay. Yeah, I can tell you from right. the drop all a right, gym. Right. So you want to read their mission statement. Once you read their mission statement, and then go through their website, embody what it, the message is that they want that they that they're trying to communicate. From that, you create a jingle. Yeah, that's kind of that's game. You understand? You create a jingle. Once you create the jingle. Then you go back to the same website, and now you need to find the uh, either the marketing person or someone. Okay. okay, but now copyright before you do all this. Facts, now facts. copyright you first. Got. Yeah, before you, they're gonna get you. All right, 
Now, now, when you get to that person, say that I, I've been studying your brand. Yes, Lord. I hear your message and I see what you're trying to do. And I have something that I believe communicates with your overall message. Just have the contract ready. Why? Because they already have a Rolodex of people that they are common, commonly used. But once you think outside the box, now you got to show them the potential of what they've never done. Yeah, man. And so you just take it to them. Yeah. Yeah. And now, now um, the, the, the goal of business is not to get the pay rate of everybody else. It's to set my own pay rate. Yeah, man. And when you set your own pay, pay rate, you can only do that when you're in demand. Yes. And you create, uh, when I'm, the way I'm, from what I'm hearing you say, <laughs> The way to create like true demand mm-hmm. is to go left when everybody else going right. Absol- absolutely. Absolutely. You have to go left. But now here it is. If you're going to go left, you can't let social media prompt you to share prematurely. That's a whole nother thing. That's a whole. That's you got to move. You got to move in silence. And then when you use social media, then it's already done. By the time you use social media, it's already done. Yeah, it's Boy, it's, you giving yeah, game. It's, it's over. It's it's over. Um, um, because once you do that, then you're about business. Yes, if sir. you do it prematurely, you're about you're about likes. Yeah. But if you do it afterwards, I'm about business. Yeah. Because you wanna you wanna talk you wanna talk about the placement on the movie you got the day the movie drop. Right. <laughs> Right. Not the day you start the track. Not the day you start. The, n- <laughs> n- no, 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 no. Not the day you start start the track. No, no. Uh, um, um, because that's going to be uh, about likes. So, like, if I'm dealing with a, uh, a producer, see, for me, um, because my son, I, I can say this, my son thinks he want to produce and stuff. <laughs> and uh, um, if he ever see this, um, he know I go back and forth with him. Yeah. All right. Because we talk about streams and things. And so for me. I'm a preacher, but if you're talking about you want to make some money, then I'm, I want to have real conversation. I said, yeah. I'm like, son, why you why you want to stream? He like, dad, you know they make. I said, son, you know how much money they make off of three? You know, you know they rob they robbing artists. You know, I said, I know I know the thing said he got seven hundred and fifty thousand streams. I said, son, you know how much money he really actually made. <laughs> I said, son, there's so many other ways that you can go about doing what it is that you're saying you want to do if you're willing to be unconventional. Yeah, that's good. All right. So um, here, here's here's my last game with um, music and business. So listen, um, have anybody ever told you that uh, um, that Amazon Live is free? But if you if you start placing your music on Amazon Live, right, then you actually can get kickback. From you placing your own stuff on Amazon Live and it's free to do it. No, I didn't know that. Uh, See, God, you're giving jewels. That's game. Saying, Producers, that's game. It's, you just go there and <laughs> that's game. And put your stuff there. And it just gives you another another vehicle. Yes. That's that's the that's the thing. It gives you another another vehicle. Yes. And so the Lord gave me this about multiple streams of income. And what happens with people. When you talk talk about multiple streams of income, they stretch themselves thin. And what they typically do is they want to be doing several different things, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. What the Lord told me, he said, son, 
No. To build multiple streams of income, he said, you need seven, uh, five different things. And he said, number one, he says, you need long-term return. Mm-hmm. All right? Um, long-term return. So you need to have some insurance or annuities or something mm-hmm. that has a slow return mm-hmm. that's a long-term. Mm-hmm. So that's going to build your foundation. Mm-hmm. He said, then number two, you need to have cash sales. Uh, cash sales meaning direct sales, mm-hmm. meaning that you give a product and immediately you get you yes. get return from that. Yes. All right? Then the third thing you need to have. Now, we're on two streams already. Yeah. And I'm doing only one thing. Yeah. Okay, now watch this. The third thing you need is something that produces royalties. So what happens is that there are many people that have great things, but they don't get no kickback because they have not created deals or contracts that produces royalties Royalties. that come back to to their life. That can be also a part of that long term, Mm -hmm. that long term. The fourth thing that you need, you need um, partnership deals where you're not just the front man, but now you need to partner in with your service with another company to now you're getting a kickback from those things that you have now partnered in. Yeah, man. We're already at four strings of income right now. Off one, yeah. Just one thing. Yes. So you don't have to. Yes. I I can do those four things, those four things and the fifth thing you're about to say yeah. just as a producer. Just as a I producer. don't have to be a producer and a videographer and a because that's what we normally think. <laughs> that's what we normally think. I got to do this, this. But what, what happens is you're going to diversify yourself. And when you diversify yourself, you're going to thin out what you're good at and what you're good at people are not going to be able to see that because you're going to look like a jack of all trades but a master of none yeah all right now the fifth thing is that now you need to be able to have um contracts these are like one-time payouts yeah all right one-time payouts so there's um let's say you do a deal there ain't no royalties connected to it this is not a a a residual cash um direct sales cash but it's a it's a contract that all right you i do this you pay me for that and that's normally like like in those situations that's normally like a high payout a a high payout exactly the direct sales are the low payout yeah like the contract is is the high is the high payout but here's the here is the goal if you're gonna have multiple streams of income Learn, learn how not to uh, um, overpromise and underdeliver. Because when you start talking about Afrocentric businesses, what happens, what becomes our decline is that we overpromise, we overpromise, bad. and then we underdeliver because we are stretched. Because we're stretched thin, we haven't learned how to diversify these multiple streams of income. Because we try to, yeah, I become the videographer. Why? <laughs> Just go hire a videographer and say, listen, I want to con- I want to create a contract with you. This how- I'm going to go get this deal. This is how much money you're going to make out, 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 out the deal. Or, does that work for you? And can we can we can we um, talk about terms? How long do you want to do this for? Six months, a year, two years, three years? Figure out what works, what works for us. And then we'll come back and renegotiate the um, contract. So that means when I have videography work, I ain't doing it. I'm calling you. Yeah. See, if we get to the concept where it's okay if you eat and I eat too, whoop, then we all then we all are okay. Yes. But what happens is that um, whether it's faith based, um, business or community, the man or woman at the top are only usually are only concerned about what they get. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes it becomes very muddy. So let me go back to my pastor example with musicians. Musicians need pastors. I said I said in my post. Um, how many people they're your musician or singer and they have EPs or albums and the pastor don't even own that on one. Mm. 
but they they with you every week. But you don't have the person you tell. You keep telling the person you love them. You ain't even bought the album, <laughs> even if you don't listen to it. <laughs> but see, if they understood industry, buying the album helps my yeah. visibility. Yes. But these become the challenges and dynamics. So having multiple streams of income just become good at what you're at. But now figure out how do I diversify the gift? Mm. Diversify that gift in this industry. Ooh, that's good. That's good, man. All right, so so here's here's a, here's a freebie since um you you produce music. I don't produce, I preach. I <laughs> preach, I pray, and that's what stuff I do, okay? All right. That's what I do. He he do the he do the other thing. Now, I I am I'm working on a a prayer CD at some point in my life, but I I pray. Um and I ain't going to give you that cuz you're going to steal my bag from me. But just know I'm working on it. I, I got the vision and the concept and everything yeah, in my man. head. But check this out. Um, tomorrow there are many young children that are battling with cancer. Mm-hmm. They're in hospital and their families are battling with cancer. Okay. I'm going to ask you just musically. This is not for you. It's a rhetorical question, so you don't have to have an answer. Okay. But here's the question. How cool would it be, now that you're a father, to even use your children Create a song for children that don't have hope. The audience is children with cancer in mind. This ain't even for everybody else get the benefit. You know, um, that's a little Michael Jackson game. We are the people. We yeah. are the world. You know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. But that's that unconventional thinking you're talking about. Yeah. But... They need hope. They need, but how cool would it be that to now? Be so dope. And 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 so 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 your trigger would be this, all right? So the song would, would be debate, but the trigger is because now I got I really have a song for the parents, for the adults, for the nurses, for the doctors that they were per. So the song for the children's for free. This is my freebie. That's my bait. But they do need hope. So I'm going to use the gift and the skill to give them what they can't get to because people are not communicating to them. Gosh. But now, behind that, I got a message. And that's how you can give your gift purpose. That's how you can just, that's how you can go beyond just being good at something. Yeah. Just for the sake of being good at it. Mm. Bro, listen. And then let me let me go on and tell you this. So so then what what you're gonna do? You're gonna pick a hospital, pick a notable hospital, a notable hospital. Choose Christmas. That's a good time. They're very hopeless around that time or something. Yeah. Choose Christmas or choose any choose yes. any any day. Choose any day. So I'm gonna say any day. What you want to do is choose a notable hospital, or go to Ronald McDonald House or anywhere and say, listen, I'm a music producer. I got some music of hope for your children that are challenged. And I want to come do a free concert for them. I just got a few singers. I got a music. It ain't going to cost y'all anything. But on the back end, you already got the. So how you gonna, how you gonna win? When you go, when you go do the show, all right, it's free for them to experience it. But now you got merch on the table. Yeah. You understand? Now you got another concert or, or you got music getting ready to drop yeah. or, or whatever. So what I'm saying is if you can get to where you can produce for the hopeless, you'll always have a revenue that's coming. Yeah, that's true. 
So, I mean, that's so the reason I use the cancer, the, the, the children with cancer, because that's an audience untapped. So you won't have to compete with the R&B. Yeah. You won't have to compete with the D.O. Soul. You won't have to compete with the quartet, the choir, uh, yes. CCM. You won't have to compete with them. You know what? I'm going to go to those that don't have help. And I got something to say. Why? Because now as a father, um, you and your wife, father and, and, and mother, we got children and we can only imagine what it looks like and what it feels like to have nobody assist you. So now we got music for you. And then behind the music, in the same vein, now you come out with a children's book, not an adult's book. You come out with a children's book. Put the children's book behind that. Put a T-shirt with that. Give them a ball cap behind that. And then give them a concert in that and say it's for you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a blue. This man, if anybody watching this, he just gave somebody a blueprint. Goodness. Bro, that's a blueprint. All right, now let's go to community. All right, community. You can, with community, you can never win the community if you don't build the trust with the voices in that community. So what happens in the community is that people, organizations, faith-based communities are going to the community because they're trying to put credibility on their services, but they don't have, they haven't built any relationships with the people in that community. So you out here selling is what you're saying. Yeah, that's really what you're doing. That's really that's that's really what you're doing. You you're, you're selling, but the community want to be saved and saved not as in Christian salvation. People don't like living in poverty, but they want help that they can trust in. But if you're going to win the community, then you cannot win a community that you're not willing to touch. It's not going not going to work. And the way it works on the streets. Let me look at this camera. I think um, 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 our studio manager got this camera right here for me. So let me look at this camera. Or you can look at this one either way. Okay, let me check this one over here. Okay, so the real truth is that when you're trying to win the community, that if you're not willing to get out there and just learn what people are going through and walk with them through their journey, then you won't have the trust of the community. And what happens when you don't have the trust of the community, they'll let you have your church. They'll let you have your program, but they won't now be married to that program or married to that church, married in the in the purpose of that ministry, married in that program of the organization. And because they will then realize because in the streets, this is why I need to look at this camera in the streets. You got 20 seconds for we discern if you are real <laughs> or if you're not. This ain't five minutes. This ain't three days. It's 20 seconds. We know. I know it don't look like I'm from the street. Just You need to zoom in. But you got 20 seconds. By your second line, we already know you lying. You don't want nothing. Yeah. You don't want nothing. And, and so with the community is that now we have to be willing to face real issues. And so I was having a conversation today. Um, with men, because I am facilitating um, as administrator a men's movement down in Fayetteville. I, like it is crazy. Um, um, anyway, I, I'll say something else yeah. about that. But um, um, I was facilitating this conversation, and what I told them was, when you're trying to get to the community, that they can't feel like a number. That they got to know that you're for them. And on top of this, Jamal, the community, they need more than food and clothes. <laughs> I mean, I thank God for all the services. 
But they need more than a bag of potatoes and, and some clothes. Free game for any organization or church that's listening. Let's go. How cool would it be for you to go into a community and all you have was brand new socks? That's it. You ain't got nothing else. We just got, you know, for six months, our church collected socks and we went into a dilapidated community and we gave out fresh socks for people. Why? Because we believe that people's feet need to be well. Attaching a purpose or like giving a deeper message behind what you're giving. Amen. That's heavy. Amen. That's heavy. Amen. I, I, I've shared this um, game around the world that um, when we start school in um, August or September, depending on where they are, that there are so many organizations that give book bags and all these things. I, I said, listen, why do we have to continue giving book bags and pencils? Why not, if you got a teacher in your church, why not just adapt, adopt his or her classroom? They get their class roster before they give it out to the parents. Get with your teacher and say, how many students they give you this year? The teacher is going to say, this is my roster. This is many, how many girls and boys. Why not then go take your, your, your teacher, adopt her classroom and say, we're going to take care of your classroom for the year. So we're going to give your classroom. They're going to all your students. We got girl book bags. Boy book bags for your whole classroom. They got pencils, paper. The parents ain't got to buy no hand sanitizer or nothing. We're going to outfit your entire classroom for the year. So anytime you have a need, you call our church. We got you because you're a member of our church. These are the kind of things that grow. <laughs> it's not. Oh, that's so, 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 Jamal, so how cool would it be when the teacher is at work, right? She's at work or he's at work. And they say, who's doing this for you? My church. Woo! What church you go to? What church? You, Good to God, that not, would do that. Hey, wait, we just went in the church <laughs> growth right then. Hey, I'm coming to your church. You went to who church? They do what? Yeah, they adopted my classroom for the year. And, and how cool would it be to, for that teacher to be able to email all of those student parents and say, you don't have to purchase nothing because it's already been financed. Yo. All your student has to do is come to come to school. That's another. That's <laughs> a, that's more game. That's game. But you giving game, and it, it it is showing me. It is showing me that sometimes our motives can be bad. Okay. Yeah. Even if we don't mean for them to, you are revealing to me that. If we add depth to what we're doing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if we attach it to supplying a need, yeah. the vanity metrics will be a byproduct. Absolutely. The numbers, the subscribers, the Absolutely. tithers, the members, Absolutely. the customers, yeah. they come after supplying the need. Yeah. So that's a ministry I started. Um, within my ministry called mobile ministry. Mm -hmm. And so what I do around the world, 
I collect old cell phones and devices. I clean them up, take the SIM cards out of them. And in all these countries that I service, that I have people that I've vetted, that I've been to um, over the years, and they search out families and pastors in rural communities, and we connect them to the mobile world. God. Because they don't have devices and they have no way to connect. So as a way of service, we connect them to the mobile world by providing that device through this mobile ministry. That's that's game too. <laughs> so it's finding a need, whether yeah. it is church, mm-hmm. whether it is business, whether yeah. it is community. Yeah. To grow your clients, to grow your organization, to mm-hmm. grow your church, it's service first. Either way, it's it's finding the need and it. providing it genuinely. Yeah. 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 And being unconventional in the approach of serving. That's right. That is that is that is right. That's brilliant. That man. is right. And once you start doing that, then you will start placing a demand. Yes, man. Because I'm going to the church that adopted the classroom. I'm going. So so you got another. So so just I mean, just just a, a pure mathematical uh, uh, um, projection. Yeah. So you got another. T- so if you adopt your teacher, you're going to have at least one more teacher from that school that's going to come. But now let's say they got 25 children. One of those families is coming to your church. <laughs> Cause you did what? Oh, yes. I'm coming. Yeah, nobody ain't never done that. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming. We ain't have to. We ain't got to buy nothing. No, you ain't got to buy nothing. Just send the baby to school. So guess what? <laughs> In a parent's mind, they're grateful. The money I would have used for these supplies, I now sow into the ministry. There you go. See, it's it's about increasing the quality of life for for all mankind. Yeah, man. All right, but that is those are some some concepts in. That can be applicable. And so my encouragement to all musicians and singers is that don't bury your gift using the path that everybody's already taken. Boy, if I ain't learning that. The reason I say that is because (laughs) if nobody's ever told you, let me tell you, music is universal. Jamal, I'm gonna tell you something. This is um, more free, free game, and I'm then. This I'm, is free I'm, game today, and, and then I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna be quiet because I think my uh, the producer is telling me it's about over, so I'm just gonna <laughs> shut up. But I'm gonna tell you this here is that I travel around the world, and I've given the opportunity to several people. Let me put it that way, to make me a song. Hmm. I said, listen, I got nations. That'll listen to the song if you just give it to me. They'll say, yes, Bishop. This is who? It is from America. Yeah, this is a good person. They'll download it, listen to it. I said, but what they're not going to do, they're not going to listen to it if you're not endorsing me also because of the respect that I've earned in the in the yeah. nation. And so here comes the minimization. The, the, the minimalization is that because commercialism is so big here in America that people only see the platform that's presented to them and they can't see the bridges that's been established for them. Yeah. All right. So there's a difference between a platform and a bridge. Platform you step on. Bridge you cross over. You cross over. All right. And so there are many bridges around the world. How cool would it be for you to have a song, right? And then they're singing it in many different languages. Yeah. Let me tell you what. Being a bridge. What blew my mind? I was in Italy preaching 
in revival, man. I was preaching. I was in an Italian and Spaniard church. They are now partners of mine many years ago. Yeah. But what blew my mind, they were singing American worship songs in three languages, in the same key, in the same rhythm. It tore my brain up so bad. <laughs> when we, we get off this podcast, I'm going to try to find I got some recording on, on in, in my phone. So it tore me up so bad. I said, where am I? And what in the world is going on? That they will, that they'll start singing the song. Um, so let's use um, Hezekiah Walker, Every Praise. All mm-hmm. right. They'll start singing the song in the right key. Yeah. They'll sing it in their, in their language, in Italian. Then sing it in Spanish. Yeah. The same verse. And then come back and sing the same verse in English, in the same rhythm, in the same key. My head was hurting when I left church. Yeah. I said, oh, my God, isn't this crazy? <laughs> yeah. What in the world happened? <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. Well, what is happening is that there's a disconnect between the Church of America and the Church of the World. And so when you go back to church history, that the Church of England used to be the model church. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about church um, history, church evolution, that the Church of England is how we model our church. That's why we have big churches, steeples on steeples top and, and things. That. Well, the Church of America has now become the Church of Influence. And how they're watching us is through YouTube. Yeah. Facts. They're studying through YouTube. I've been to several countries, Jamal, and they said, uh, well, Bishop, you need to bring some musicians because what they can't, the one thing they have not been able to figure out break. is black church sound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they see it. But yeah. they don't they don't know how to place it. They don't know how to arrange the chords. They don't know how but they want it. They want it. <laughs> yeah. They want it. Yeah. But what I see as a from a business perspective is that there's an untapped nation out there that when you just so concentrated on the platform that you miss all the those bridge. bridges over there. Boy! Because you're looking to step up, not cross over. That's what I'm trying to say. You're looking to step up and not cross over. And what changed my life is when I stopped stepping up. I started crossing, crossing over. over. Crossing. I started crossing over. Yeah. Thank you. Man, you're welcome, man. Yo, listen. <laughs> Y'all, I got I I'm gonna watch this a lot of times. <laughs> Yo, because this was insane. Like <laughs> Dang! Y'all, this has been another episode of the RXS Podcast with my man, Roosevelt Etheridge. We out. Peace. Holla.